y'all. Princess here, and welcome to another episode of By Pumpkin. Guys, one of my favorite shows in the world is Superstore, and I came to it late because I come to a lot of shit late because I'm a late-ass person, <laughs> but um, Superstore is uh, was like a really perfect workplace comedy um, a bunch of oddballs, a great diverse com, a d- d- uh, excuse me, a great diverse like cast uh, about people who worked in a big box store called Cloud Nine. It was supposed to be like a Walmart, um, and America Ferrera was in it. Love America Ferrera. I hate saying that because I know as soon as I say that I love something a celebrity, like I hate standing people because as soon as you love a celebrity, they come out for dog rape. Or trying to convince you that the earth is a trapezoid. They, they, and you'd be like, girl, what are you doing over there? Like, you really don't know these fucking people. You really don't fucking know them. But I really do enjoy America Ferrera. And as far as I know, she isn't out here doing nothing real crazy. So I just hope, I know as soon as I, as soon as, as soon as I put this shit out, I'm going to get a bunch of emails and tweets about, how America Farrah is the thing that's wrong with the world. But I've always enjoyed her and I really enjoyed her on this on this uh, show. I just, I thought the show was great. And I, a lot of times with sitcoms, sitcoms are surrounded around a family or a group of friends and th- specifically friends and they all look the same. But when you get these workplace comedies, you especially someplace like a big box store, you get a lot of different types of people. I think that they're, I think the only misstep that they have for me is that the guy who, I forget his name, the guy who plays Garrett, who's in the wheelchair, um, they could have gotten a wheelchair user to do that. I mean, that's the only real misstep for me. But other than that, I just loved how much, how different everybody looked and the characters were really great. Um, and this week was the last of it. Uh, America for had left the show. She came back for the last couple episodes, which is the right thing to fucking do to wrap, wrap up some storylines. And, um, you know, the show was just a little different because they did do the COVID storyline. And so, and they work in a big box store. So they had masks on a lot and it made scenes weird sometimes. Um, another thing though is sometimes it's, if you decide to do a COVID storyline, I I noticed that you're not wearing those masks correctly. Like, why aren't you wearing a mask? You, you've you never, like, I understand that Amy has come back and you guys are back in love, but Amy needs a mask on. Amy's been in California. I don't, I, uh, <laughs> why doesn't Amy have a mask on? So like, you can't half mask me. <laughs> but either way, it was great. Um, I cried like a fucking baby, y'all. And I don't have shit to live for because the reason I cried was because at the end they did a montage of all our characters like in the future. Garrett, the guy in the wheelchair, um, uh, was very much, uh, you know, because the store's closing. You know, the store's hit by a tornado. Uh, all kinds of, they used to find feet in the store all the time. Like, like severed feet. Somebody died in the walls of the store. And it's just, but all of a sudden the store got to close. Okay. <laughs> After all that, we got to close the store. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, so, and also I enjoy something that's not set in New York or LA. And I understand why things are set in New York and LA because this is where the writers are generally based. You want to write what you know, but this store was, was set in St. Louis. And I was like, excellent, excellent. Like, let's talk about someplace else. <laughs> but anyway, 
I mean, it, it had like, it, okay, so anyway, the store is closing and Garrett has been, everyone else has been like really like sentimental about it. And Garrett has been like kind of like refusing to be sentimental about a job where you only come to because they pay you and they pay you badly and it's a bad job. <laughs> and towards the end when he gives his last announcement, you know, the he's in charge of the announcements, he just gives a little speech, you know, uh, or a little, he says a little something. And what the show does is give you a montage of the characters in the past scenes and then a montage of what's going to happen next. And like, bitch, I was bawling. Amy and, uh, his name just, Jonah got back together. They had another kid. Amy's bad at naming kids. Parker and then Carter. No girl. And <laughs> they, they showed them like, they showed, uh, gosh, the names are like escaping me right now. Cause I'm not remembering names. the guy from kids in the hall. That's on the show. They showed him going off to start a hardware store. Uh, that meant something to him because it was a hardware store his dad had that got ran out of business when cloud nine came in. Cause that's what big box stores do push out smaller businesses. Um, they show him starting that again because he didn't want to retire and hiring. There's a whole undocumented storyline, which was very, Mateo was undocumented. It like, was an excellent storyline. Lots of holes in it, but cool, cool, cool. They showed him hiring Mateo um, and he brought Cheyenne with him. They showed, because the store became a, um, a, dis a distribution center and they showed, sh y'all don't care about this. <laughs> give a fuck about this anyway they just show like these characters they all seem so happy and and then they showed them all like a barbecue with no mask on i was like oh my god is that gonna happen for us at some point it just yeah i'm sad to see a show go i'm sad to see it go i thought it was like really great the writing was amazing on it. It was so, such good writing. <laughs> so I'm just going to be in my feelings over here until Pose comes back for its last season this summer. Guys, Pose is coming back. So excited. Uh, thank God it's set in the past and we're not going to get a fucking pandemic storyline on it. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm at today. Um... Guys, I'm wasting time here. I got to go because uh, my kids are down for a nap. It's Saturday. My husband had to work today, even though he didn't think he had to work. They're just like short staff there. They're short staff because a good portion of the people that work there are temps. And temps leave you faster than anybody else. Uh, and also like people getting COVID and then, you know, so they're short staffed. Or the people that do want to come don't know how to work. You know, it's just hard. And so he's got to work this Saturday. And in fact, like I through a shit fit because yesterday he was supposed to come home at six and he called me at about five something saying, I'm not gonna be able to come home at six. I got to work till 10 tonight and I got to work tomorrow. And I was like, yo, your vaccine appointment is tomorrow. You're not working tomorrow. Like I went off and he said, okay, 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 okay. And then called me back and was like, okay, I can go to the vaccine appointment. And come. I was like, yeah, I know you can. I know you can. Cause you will quit that fucking job tonight. And so, listen, if they think I'm a bitch, let them think I'm a bitch. I don't care. He can use me as a, as uh, an, as, as I almost said an escape go, a scapegoat as much as he fucking wants. I don't fucking care. I don't care if people at your job like me. What the fuck I look like? 
I don't care. The fact is you have a vaccine appointment tomorrow, which was hard to get. And I got it when I was mad at you because you woke me up at 2.30 in the fucking morning. I had to be like doing my whole life sleepy as fuck. Then you went to work and I had to um, stay up with these fucking kids even though I've been up since 2.30 in the morning. And I still got you a vaccine appointment. So like respect that, be grateful and go to the fucking appointment. People want appointments, I got you one. Ugh. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't care. If people think I'm a bitch at work because I won't let him not go to the vaccine appointment. I don't fucking care. Like, so? <laughs> so he went. He texted me that he got it. Great. He'll have a new one. He'll have a, uh, he'll have his second in about, well, he got the Moderna. So it's not three weeks. It's like 27 days. And actually, you can go up to much longer getting the second one. But anyway. He's getting, he got it. That's what I want. And I need, I needed him to get it because his job more than mine. Like I can, I can work from home and the days I can't work from home, I can work in my office, right? His appointment, his, I mean, excuse me, his job is not like that. Although he mostly works uh, for like, I, he's mostly isolated, but he's supervising other people. And also he's kind of a dick. Like, and so I don't think people like him there. <laughs> He has friends at work, but I think he's like people like one time somebody tried to fight him at work. Like he like they had to review the security security camera and my husband was standing somewhere and a man ran up on him and tried to beat him. I mean, my husband whooped his ass because that's what we do. But <laughs> they had to review the security cameras because you're not allowed to fight at work. You know, just like at every job, every job you go to, you're really not allowed to fight there. So but it showed clearly that my husband's back was turned and that somebody ran up on him. Like, but I told him, I was like, why don't we act at work in a way that if you get murdered at work, there's not like six suspects, okay? Like, let's let there be like one, maybe two. But anyway, the type of job he has, like, they don't, they can't work from home. They, they, they get PTO and whatnot, but you have to work there a certain amount of time to get PTO. It's a physical job. And it's the type of job that people go to when they're sick anyway. Because if you don't, how are you going to pay your fucking rent? Like, especially if you if you got temp to perm there, you're, or you're temp. Let's say you're still temp and you're sick. You still go to work because if you don't, then you'll never get to permanent. And they'll, you know, and after the six weeks or whatever you've been working there, they'll be, they'll tell the temp agency, nah, we're good. Like, that's, that's not, so it is exactly the type of job that people go to when they're sick. And I'm like, you've been really fortunate with coronavirus. Um, and my husband rarely gets sick anyway, to be honest. He's more of a carrier. Uh, when I used to work for, when I worked for home for many, many years and we had no kids, like I would get sick all the time. Well, what happens is that everybody in his job would be sick with something. He wouldn't get sick with it. And then he'd show up at home and then like a week later, I'm sick with the thing. It, that said, though, like, just getting vaccinated makes it easier for him to stay. Like, he's been working the entire time. He's, um, he had a letter in his car so he could go to work at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, he's been working the entire fucking time. And I, like, him getting vaccinated makes just things safer. Um, also, like, if, if, like, w somebody in the family had COVID, he couldn't go to work and, you have to go, you have to test negative twice before you can come back to work. So that like, that's money. Off. Like it's just all, he should be vaccinated and he's, he's getting vaccinated because of his BMI and he also has diabetes, he's got diabetes. So he qualifies for it. 
And even though he was a little like, I don't know if I should get it. I'm like, you definitely should get it because you want to keep living here, don't you, homie? So <laughs> all that to say, my husband's at work. <laughs> and and at 2.30, I have the kid's therapist come in because she usually comes on Sundays in the morning. But another family needs to switch. And what the fuck? We ain't going. We're, we're, I'm not going anywhere. You can come. Come on. So I need to get this shit done. And... In the middle of me telling a story about how I need to get done, I just go off on a tangent to keep me from getting done. Like, like self-sabotage. <laughs> All right, so I got people comment on the Patreon uh, post, people comment on the Instagram post, people emailed me. If you emailed me, I'm not saying the name. Um, it's just the easier way to like try to, like, even if I don't think your question needs to be anonymous. Like, if you emailed me, I didn't say your name. Some people tweeted me too. Uh, so let's start off with Jennifer. She says, do you smoke weed? If not, are you interested? I heard you talk about your anxiety and depression. You always talk about downers. Like, I guess she's talking about like, how I always talk about if I were gonna do drugs, I'd like to do downers. I like to do things. I don't want, I wanna do downers, not uppers. And do you think cannabis would be helpful for your anxiety and depression? I don't smoke weed. Um, I am not interested in it. I have smoked weed a few times, like when I was younger, but one, I had like bad reactions. I felt like I was going to have a psychotic break. Now, I don't know why, but I've smoked weed like two or three times and all two with different people from different places. Like I all felt like I, like if my brain started really racing, um, I had to leave where I was at because I felt like I was going to like. Like, it, it, I just didn't have a good, I don't, I don't really like weed. Um, I'm also not interested in it because it's not legal where I live. And I have too many fucking kids for that. Like, I don't fucking want to deal. I, I don't care if it's just a ticket or whatever. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. I also don't want to deal with like a CPS referral because of, uh, a dumbass thing that's not legal where I, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't want to deal with all that shit. Um, I, it might like, I, I wouldn't be surprised because I think a lot of people do use weed to help with anxiety and depression. And I've I've heard people having good, like, results from it. And, um, you know, there's all different kinds of strains now. Like, I mean, there's, like, I, but I have to also be really careful about the things that I take. Like, I am in the process of getting on an antidepressant. And the thing that's, like, maybe procrastinating about is because, like, I just don't. Like, I know it's going to be a push and pull process. Like, I'm going to have to try something, see how I feel about it, adjust the dosage. Maybe that's not going to work. Try something. Like, I know as some, like, with kids who are on, like, you know, psychotropic drugs and things like that. Like, I just, I know that it's not like a, here's the pill that's going to help everything. Like, that's just not how things work, you know? And so me knowing that it's going to be a process is, is what I'm, like, pulling my feet. Uh, and I've been on... Um, other medications that have been hard for me. Like, I, I can't even take Tylenol PM. When I take Tylenol PM or, like, any PM drugs or, like, you know, I said drugs, like, you know what I mean. Anything anything that's designed for me to go to sleep, I sleepwalk and sleep eat. Um, I've woken up with food in my mouth in a kitchen. It's, it's not, <laughs> it's, like, I can't be doing shit like that. So my husband um, smokes and I would prefer that he did not. He doesn't smoke in our house because I don't like the smell of it. Uh, 
I don't want, like, there's no place I want him to smoke because I don't want him to smell like, I don't, he's loud. Like, I don't want, I don't want my house to smell like that. I don't want my kids to live in a house that smells like that. And I mean, I really like him to get into edibles if he could. When I met my husband, he used to smoke. It really helps with his depression. My husband has depression as well. It really helps with depression. So when I met him before, right before I met him, my husband was like smoking weed every day and he stopped for his job at the time he got a job and he was like ah they were actually testing him for we can you believe it who do you work for joe biden <laughs> so so um uh he stopped right and he's only smoked a little bit on and off throughout the years i've been with him but i don't like the way he acts when he does it like first of all i'm a loud talker and he gets so fucking paranoid and also like like sometimes I on Twitter people will be like, I'm stoned doing this. And I have thought that like, that's really fun to do, right? To like be stoned and watching TV and just kind of chilling out. It's not so fun to have to interact with you when you're like that. Especially if you're somebody like my husband, who's like, he's not here. Like, what am I looking around like he's here? <laughs> he's like a slow thinker, to be honest. I like, I think that's why I always win all the verbal arguments because I'm thinking faster than he is. He's a slow thinker to begin with. He's a slow, he's slow to talk to begin with. And when he's stoned, it makes it harder. Like I, sometimes I'll, like I can always tell and I'm always be like, oh, okay. So you're, you're stoned right now. So I'll talk to you another time because he'll be like, huh? What? Or he'll, you, he'll be looking at me. I can tell he's thinking really fucking hard. And I'm like, oh, did you smoke today? And he'll be like, no. I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> lying. And then like a day later, he'll be like, I was lying. I don't know why I lied. I don't know. I don't have to lie. I was like, yeah, you don't have to fucking lie to me ever. So like, I'd like him to get into edibles, but I know that's a little, especially homemade edibles are like, no, I meant not him making them, but like people who are making them, like it can be touch and go about like how much and all that. Uh, and when you get like uh, professionally manufactured ed edibles, it can be, it's a lot more um, uniform and stuff. I understand that. But if, if, if I could, I would like him to do, to get into edibles, but we'll see. But me, not, probably not. And yeah, probably not. Um... This is anonymous. I just got into fostering and listening to you talk about your journey and your family, especially during Princess Diaries episodes is always so inspiring. Do you think you'll go back to it? Do you have any tips? How has the pandemic changed your parenting? Oh, these are a lot of questions. What is the hardest part of parenting? Which of your children is the hardest to parents? How has parenting five kids changed your, your, like your parenting style? Um, I never say never, but I just don't see me going back to fostering at this point. Uh, just because I am outside of like what I have to do to foster and it's, it's, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be more constricting to go back to it. Also, I have five kids and fostering, I'd be fostering one more kid. It'd have to be a girl. Um, I don't know. It just seems like, like, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to stop doing something familiar and easy to, to like get someplace you've never been before. And so like. I just have a feeling that I'm done with it. But again, never, 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 never say never. Do you have any tips for like someone starting fostering? I would say use your resources. Uh, don't be a hero. <laughs> Meaning like just because you can doesn't mean you should. 
and take your breaks. Make sure you have respite set up, which means that you need somebody that is okay to watch the kids. Um, and there will be cases that are, that are more than you can do and you need to like respect that. Um, like if you cannot, especially you don't say this, but a lot of people who foster already have kids. If you, if like, if something's not working with the kids that are already in your home, you, you need to be cognizant of that and you need to, it's okay to say, I can't do this. Um, and also this happens all the time in the boards and everything. Like if you do not like a kid, like you don't like them, you know what I'm saying here, right? Like the, like they annoy you and the thought of having them around is annoying and you wish that they weren't there, get them moved. Do not keep kids around that you don't like because it is detrimental to be cared for by somebody who doesn't like you. And they always can tell. You think they can't tell? They can fucking tell. Um, was How has the pandemic changed your parenting? I would say at the beginning of the pandemic, I was, I was pretty, um, I had more of a schedule. I have less of one now, although it's not very much different. I'm a schedule person. So like, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, people were making fun of me because I have quiet time in my schedule, but I always have quiet time in my schedule. After lunch is quiet time. If you're young enough, you go to a nap. And if you're old enough, you go to quiet time. And that means you just do something quietly away from me. And if you can't be quiet, then you can take a nap. I don't care if you're 11 years old, you can take a nap. Um, I... I have tightened up on screen time because my kids, when they're out of school or go to iPad school and even when they're in school, because those teachers have to teach two fucking classes. They have to teach kids at home and they have to teach kids in person. Um, and it's still iPad school. They're still doing everything. They're really on iPad. They're on Kahoot half the fucking day. Uh, which is like, I mean, I don't fucking teach. I don't fucking know. But... The, the result is they're spending more time on screens than they ever have. And so I've tightened up at home on it. I don't know if they like that, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, what's changed? Oh, my kids have started making meals. So I the meals part was really kicking my ass. But the kids started making lunches. They can do breakfast on their own for everyone. Like one person will go in there and do... Like, I haven't taught them waffles yet. I mean, because it's just like fucking toaster waffles. They can handle it. But like, they can do the cereal by themselves. They If, it, if it's a Pop-Tart day, they can toast Pop-Tarts and do that themselves. Um, lunches, they each can make two or three different types of lunches. And so that's been different. Um, I also think that like, the parenting in the pandemic has really like, given me some razor sharp focus about what I care about and what I don't care about. Um, and I am more and more sure than ever that all I care about in the end is my kids being happy. Like when all this shakes out, when we're, when I'm done raising them, I don't care what their life looks like. All I want is to know they're happy people. I don't have the, if they start having kids at like 16, I hope they don't because I don't want to raise any kids when you're 16. But like if they start having kids young or if they, working construction or if they're pianist or if they're, you know what I'm saying? I really don't give a fuck what they, what they, what life decisions they make for themselves as long as they are happy and safe and, and 
So I'm approaching schooling that way. I'm approaching teaching them about life that way that like, I just want you to find a way to be happy and safe. Like all this other shit is like up in the fucking air. Um, there are lots of fucking unhappy people in this world. Even if they have like a ton of money or a ton of stability, like that's really all I care about. Um, what is the hardest part of parenting? The hardest part of parenting for me is being available physically and like verbally to them at all times. Uh, they want to talk to me all the time. They are constantly making me things, handing me things, scribbling a bunch of shit on a piece of paper and then telling me that it says that I love them and they love me and that I need to hold it now. They want to touch me all the time. If I'm laying on the couch, they are all on top of me. I don't get, like we're all on a scale. We're all ambiverts to be honest, but it just depends on where you are on the scale. But I'm an introvert. I need alone time and I don't get alone time and like even driving them in the car, they want to talk to me. Even like it's 7.30 in the morning, these little ones are up, running up and down the hallways, screaming in people's beds, doing all kinds of shit. And I'm like, girl, did you ruin your fucking life with this second adoption? Because my older boys, I got them when they were six and seven and it was very easy to work to, to figure out like, like they, when they got up on the weekends, I don't sleep in, a, I'm not like 10 o'clock would be a long time for me to be asleep on the weekends. Like eight, eight thirty is when I get up on the weekends. And on the weekdays I'm up at six, five 6 AM. And so they would just like, it did, it took no time to teach them to just like, you can get up, you can get your tablet and they come to like near, where I'm sleeping and they sit there with headphones and play together quietly. Nowadays, like, so in between the time I got the second, the second set of kids and I was like, I didn't have any foster. So I just had my adopted boy, my two adopted boys. Like they can, they, they're 10 and nine now, but they were like, mm, they were eight and, and nine at the time. And so they would like, just get up. They could turn on the TV. They, they turn it down low because the TV, the living room is right outside my bedroom. And they would just be quiet out there until I got up. They, they weren't fucking with me like that. They just were like, yeah, whatever you need. And so, and Bunny's like that too. Bunny's eight and she's in the second set of kids. But the smaller kids that are four and five are, I have to separate them when they go to sleep. Even though they, all they do is fight with each other and throw each other from bunk beds and wrestle each other and push each other and bite each other. They are crying because I've separated them. I have to separate them in the morning so that people can get like at least one more hour of sleep. And like, dude, they're like 24. They want to look at me. They want to kiss me. They want to put their little hands on me. And so what happens is at the end, like from 730 in the morning till about nine o'clock at night, they're, they're just like, give me all of you. And that's really hard for me. Um, as a person, I am somebody who needs to be alone quite a bit. I grew up a bookish lone kid and that's kind of who I am as an adult too. And my husband's argued with me, not argue with me, but he's been like annoyed because at the end of the day, when he shows up, he wants of me too. And I'm like, I'm touched out, bro. Like I <laughs> don't even look at me. Don't, I don't want to hear about your dream. I heard about five different dreams. I'm pretty sure four of them were fake. So <laughs> I had to hear about five different school experiences and I don't know what to say. Like good. <laughs> That's the hardest part of parenting for me, I would say. Uh, the hardest child to parent, um, 
is my nine-year-old. But the reason he's the hardest child to parent is not because he's like the worst child or anything, but he gets, he has to be parented differently. His severe ADHD makes things different for him. Um, what makes processing different and his ideas are different. I actually identify with him the most because I like, he is a little weirdo, just like I was as a kid. Um, but he needs more, like things aren't always straightforward with him. Is he annoying sometimes? Yes. Like right now he's trying to get a catchphrase going. <laughs> his catchphrase is dang. <laughs> and he's trying to get that going. So what he does is every time he gets an opportunity, he goes, dang. <laughs> and like, dude, stop trying to make dang happen. <laughs> he's just, he just has a lot of ideas. He thinks a lot. He's the first person to like try things and He's just, the other kids are just not like that. And so I have to be on my toes with him. He also has meltdowns. Like he has a mood disorder, but the more older he gets, the more I'm like, I think this is all ADHD because, you know, ADHD has all kinds of fucking symptoms. All kinds of things go hand in hand with ADHD. And I think at the time he was diagnosed, I think that like people were a lot more like ADHD is just running around being hyper. And he is a hyper guy, but uh, mood regulation is part of it, right? Like it's, it's a bunch of shit. And so like when he's in trouble, I have to spend more time calming him down. Like I, like he will like throw a fucking hissy fit and refuse to go in his room and I can physically put him in his room. But once we get physical, what, what happens after that? Like, I don't want to be physical. I don't want to. I don't want to be put in a position where I have to be physical with a child. So I don't want to physically put my hands on him and move him to his room. And I certainly don't want my husband to do it because my husband's a big black man and things can get escalate very quickly. So, um, like, I have to stand in the hall while he howls and cries about it. And, like, he'll calm down, like, 20 minutes or so. And then I have to go, okay, well, I asked you to go in your room at 730 it's now, you know, 7.50. So you're going to give me back these 20, 20 minutes tomorrow when it's bedtime. I'll get 20 minutes from you then. But, and he definitely, at this point, he's calm. He's understanding. He's willing. But, like, he is the hardest to parent because I have to do things differently. You know, Turtle, the oldest, you know, I always compare him to an old fucking cat. Because <laughs> he is. You ever had an old cat that just, like, you come home, they're in the same spot where you left? Every now and then you see them walk to the water. Like, they just, you're like, what are y'all, what are you doing? They're just doing nothing. They're just super, they don't even fight you when you pick them up to take, put them somewhere else. They just, like, go. Like, just the old fucking cat. And so he's, he's, you know, he is, he's just very easy to direct. Bunny is desperate to be loved. Desperate. And so if, if I want something done, she'll just do it. That's it. She, I, she gets in trouble. She goes straight to her room and she's very quiet in there. Maybe she'll cry. She's very sorry. She's made you a card the next day. And like, all, to be honest, all my kids are like that. Um, they're all very good at the, I'm sorry, making amends. Like, I'm going to make this up to you. I'm very sorry about that. Thank you for making me dinner. Thank you for taking me to this park. This park is lovely. Thank you for taking me here. Like my kids are like incredibly grateful, um, like after I see them after they get home from school, I'll be like, how was school? And they'll each tell, give me their 20 minute long story. And then someone will be like, and how was your day? What did you do today? Was work hard? How's that report going? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I hear, I fucking complain about them all the time, but they're like legit being like, so remember you were talking about that project. Let's hear more about it. How'd you sleep, mommy? Did you have any dreams? You're not dreaming about Chucky, are you? <laughs> like they're, they're very concerned for me and what I've eaten and whether I've had enough rest and if I'm tired and or I'm feeling like a little depressed or whatever. They're very like, they're like, it's okay. You just lay here on the couch. I'll put a cover, I'll put a cover on you. Shh, everybody, mommy. Mommy's not feeling it today. Like they're, they're very intuitive children. But the hardest one to parent is Cheeks because uh, he is, um, he, I have to think. Right. It's just not a go to your room, do this, do that. I really have to like figure it out with him. Um, and second hardest, like right up, like just the smidge under him is Bear Bear. Bear Bear's four. Bear Bear, I believe Bear Bear has severe ADHD. I believe that. Now, part of it is that he's four, right? I believe he has severe ADHD. He is a wild man. Okay. And I often like, so I have five kids. I don't let them. This is another part. They said the other part of the question was, um, how is parenting five kids change your style? Part of it is that I don't leave all the kids in one room because they'll just like, it gets loud. Things can happen. So I sometimes pair them off. I pair them off in logical ways. And then I pair them off in less and less logical ways, ways that are unexpected. And I send two to draw off the table. I send two to go play video games. I, you know, and I take one with me into my room while I'm cleaning out my bathroom and let them watch TV in my, in my bedroom by themselves. Like I have to split them off. And Bear Bear is the one I have to split off the most because the truth is, for the most part, all four of them can be in the same place together. But you throw Bear Bear and there's like a fucking bomb. And... Because he, he has spent most of his life in foster care, moving from place to place, back and forth, visits with bio mom, visits with bio family, um, bio mom's family and stuff. And you're going to come back. You're going to do this. You're going to go here. You're going to, like, he has had the least ability. I think he's been in foster care since he was, he might've been just like under, just under two when he went in. He's four now. Um, he might be like one and a half. And like he doesn't have any table manners at all. He puts his hands in everything. He gets up from the table and runs down the hallway. These are like all, a lot of this is about him being four, but the instability in his life has absolutely affected him. Now he's too young for medication. I wouldn't even try at this point. It'll be another year before I'd even be like talking about this. But like, so I have to use more strategic parenting with him. I have to check on him more often. Um, at his bio mom's house, he would open the door. He was like three. This time he would open the door and run down the street. Like he loves to like, just be gone. He loves that shit. And a lot of like, my attention goes to him teaching him how, to, I always say teaching him how to be a person, but it really is teaching him just how to live in a world. Like, what do we do when we sit down? How do we eat? How shouldn't we chew before we saw like things like that? And it just takes a little bit of more time with him. Um, even though I ranked cheeks higher, Bear Bear is if I had to, I'd go with cheeks because at least I can talk to him. At least cheeks makes me laugh a lot. At least, I mean, they all make me laugh, but cheeks makes me laugh a lot. I am very impressed with him. His schoolwork this year is great. His schoolwork is so fucking good. He's so smart. He has so many fucking ideas. Um, 
the fact that I have to think twice about how I parent him makes him harder, but doesn't make him like, you know, like my least favorite child. I actually enjoy spending time with him quite a bit. But uh, Bear Bear is so young that a lot of the things I know to do are, can't be done with him yet. So now, 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 I, now I feel like I've been talking shit about my kids and I'm not. <laughs> Um, and five kids changing, parenting's changing my style. Like I color code things. Their toothpaste, their toothbrushes are color coded. Their cups are color coded. Cause you know, kids drink all fucking day. Um, so they have cups that are their color and that, is, and they know that that's their cup. Um, just things cost a bit more. So I buy things in bulk more often. You know, my husband loves, my husband grew up in a very large family. So he just loves to go to Costco and fill up a bunch of carts and run like, you know, and just be like. Let's spend eight thousand dollars in here. Sure, we need a hundred rolls of toilet paper. I don't even know if I'm gonna live through a hundred rolls of toilet paper. That seems ambitious. It seems like it really seems like spitting in the wind, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like tempting fate to tell God that you think you're gonna use a hundred rolls of toilet paper? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> who needs all this peanut butter? <laughs> but, but uh, I buy more in bulk. Um, things cost more, so I'm, I'm really good about saving money. I've always been like that, like finding ways to save money and stuff. And, um, you know, it changed my, my car situation. But, yeah, I don't think it's changed much in that way. I'm still determined to give them all the best that I have, to give them, like, it's really, it's really, like, it doesn't matter what I do. They're going to have some trauma. It doesn't matter. Like, like I'm not going to be the reason that they have, that they're, that they grow up and they're like, have a long-term meth addiction. I'm not going to be the reason they didn't. The reason will be the choices they've made based on the experiences they've had. And like, I know that, I know that, but I still want to give them the best that I have for as long as I have. And I remind myself that like everybody's young right now in about two years, Bear Bear is going to be in a whole different spot. And a lot of the stuff he needs to learn will just come with time and practice and stability and consistency. Consistency breeds credibility. The more I do the same thing over and over again, the I mean, he's such a good learner. I mean, <laughs> he's the one that was walking around the house with a with an Iron Man robot, calling it Mr. Tony. <laughs> He's the one that, that like, I've never said my whole name. The, why, why would I need to say my whole name to any of these children? But he's the one that I was, like, in a drive-thru, and they were, like, they asked me for a name to go with my food, and he screamed my whole government name. Two last names and all. Got it right and everything. Like, <laughs> so, like, um, like, he just needs time and consistency. And we'll see what, in two years from now, I won't have to get up at 7.30. Because two years from now, my oldest will be 12. Then Cheeks will be 11. I will be in a different whole space with those two. Bunny will be 10. Like, and they'll have more, they'll do more work around the house. They'll be able to contribute more to, to things. And uh, I'll be able to sleep later. It'll be a whole different fucking ball game. And five years from now, seven years from now, things are going to be completely fucking different. And they won't want to talk to me all the time. Although I take that back. I think they're going to want to talk to me all the time. They like talking to me. Um, I cut back to when they're teenagers and see what they like talking to me about. <laughs> what they're going to be saying. <laughs> is it going to have a is it going to have a nasty attitude and a tone with it? But I think they're going to be talking to me all the time. But I think, you know, 
uh, things will change. I remind myself that every, everything is temporary and, uh, you know, hard times don't last forever. <laughs> um, Michelle says, what do you think about Chrissy Teigen leaving Twitter? Good. I, good. I think <laughs> Chrissy Teigen, here's the thing about Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> Chrissy Teigen is not Darth Vader. I'm going to say that Chrissy Teigen has stepped in it a few times. But how can you not when all you do is talk? How can you fucking not? All you do is talk, 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 and everything you talk about becomes like news somehow. Yeah, she steps in it all the time. She's done a lot of fucked up things. Um, But I don't know. I think she's mostly annoying because you have to hear about her all the time, you know? Kind of like how Anne Hathaway was really fucking annoying at one point, but it was because she was overexposed. She was everywhere. And it's really hard to, when some, when, Media and all pop cultures like this person is so funny. Let's see what this person is doing with these kids. But like, I don't want to be like, I don't even fucking like that person. If I have to hear about that person one more time, and it's not anything they've particularly done. Although again, I need to I, like, I don't know everything, but I know Chris Teigen has done some shit. Like she's really fucking stepped in it. I mean, she hasn't done any war crimes, but yeah, she's she's done some shit. There, people have been like, uh. And I also, like, Chrissy Teigen is rich, right? And so, like, as we're in this pandemic and and we're all, like, a lot of, not me this time, but I know a lot of people have lost jobs, have lost loved ones, have lost all kinds of fucking things. And you over here just talking about your rich shit and we got to see it on our fucking timeline? Like, bitch, this is worse than singing Imagine to us. Like, leave us alone, girl. <laughs> like, go. And I, I, but... So it's not that I think Chrissy Teigen is like some demon or anything, but yeah, it, it, it'd be okay if you were quiet for a little while. That's fine. And I know we always talk about celebrities and we're always like, why aren't they just quiet? But being a celebrity is very different. It's also not so different. And I'm sure Chrissy Teigen doesn't want to wander around her house all day, not talking to anybody. For a lot of us, Twitter, when we got on Twitter, it became like our friend um, where you... You're like, oh, I'm gonna tweet that. Something happens, I'm gonna tweet that. Some, I see, I'm, I have a thought, let me tweet that. And I get it. But also like, girl, take a break. I'm sure Chrissy Teigen will be back. I'm sure she will. Um, there's a whole industry running on Chrissy Teigen's tweets. So I don't, <laughs> but I also understand where she's coming from that like, it can be mentally exhausting making those mistakes in public and just like, like taking L after L after L and taking all this like, jabs and punches from people with like five followers followers i don't understand how you see those i my understanding is that if you are uh verified on twitter you have access to i think there's a twitter app or something like that like that you don't you only see thing you can you can set it so that you can only see things from people you follow like so you don't have to see why somebody with with two followers and no profile picture thinks you're a cunt you know what i mean like there are ways to set that up um but i understand that i understand like twitter's like fucking up my mental right now too so yeah bye bye chrissy you got other shit to do you got two fucking kids um you got a whole fucking house 
have you thought of doing those paint by numbers things? They're very soothing. <laughs> I know you can't do a backsplash like I did. I mean, who the fuck? Your house probably already has a really nice expensive backsplash that a professional put in. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's other shit to fucking do and you have projects to work on that don't require you to tweet. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll see her back. I don't hate Chrissy Teigen if that's the question. I don't hate her. I also don't think she was bullied either. Like it's not the same when, fuck, I forgot her last name. Leslie, she was in Ghostbusters. She's a comedian. Uh, she was the best part of coming to America too, even though she was an admitted rapist. Her character was an admitted rapist and still she was the funniest part. <laughs> but um, it's not the same when she was getting like pounded by racists that were mad because she accepted a check to be in, Ghostbusters. I love Ghostbusters. The French, like guys, is incredibly important to me. Go back to old episodes. You will hear me talking about how I made friends with a young immigrant who did not speak English <laughs> and was much younger than I was so that I could watch her Ghostbuster VHS every day. Like Ghostbusters is incredibly important to me. That comedy, that soundtrack, like it's incredibly important to me. The remake of Ghostbusters with Tina Fey and fucking Kristen Wiig and uh, Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones. Is it Jones? Leslie Jones did not ruin Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2 ruined Ghostbusters. It was already fucking ruined, guys. It's Ghostbusters. Don't take it too fucking serious. All right? There's a big marshmallow man. Don't take it seriously. <laughs> Bobby Brown was on the soundtrack. Bobby Brown, okay? There's no reason I take it seriously. It's fine. It's fine. But like she was getting like racist tirades and like people just like doxing her and shit. Like that's bullying on the fucking platform. I'm sure Christy Teigen got took it, but not like that. You know what I mean? And so I don't think Christy Teigen was bullied off of Twitter. I think because she said that the reason that she wanted to leave Twitter is because she was like, I've like disappointed myself and upset myself over and over again. And you know, not every thought needs to be tweeted. Mm, something I need to think about. So like, I think it's good for her to be off. I think she'll be back and it's fine. Sandy asks, how's your new job going? I understand if you can't tell us much, but an update would be cool. New job's going great. It's the most money I've ever made in my life. Like it has changed. Like leaving New York and coming to Texas. When I left New York, I was making so much more money, right? I was making a, a, this amount of money. You guys can't see me. I was making a certain amount of money. I was living well. I also lived cheap in New York. I lived in Queens, okay? I don't don't get it twisted. <laughs> I lived in Queens with my husband in a, a legal basement apartment. It was fine. I was, it, but in terms of money, like when I left New York, I was, I could afford almost anything I wanted in New York. When I came to Texas, I changed tax brackets. Somehow I lucked into, you know what? I'm not going to say that. I worked my way into a different tax bracket. I, you know, I don't want for much. Let me go back. Cause when I say I can afford anything I want, I don't want for much, but I wasn't like, I wasn't eating ramen and living with 10 roommates. So that's, that wasn't my life in New York. I was, I wasn't like, you know, at a secret club in the middle of the night. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, bar hopping with Ramona. From the, I wasn't doing any of that shit. I wasn't on a rooftop somewhere. Like, I'm, why am I talking like rooftops? Like, everybody was on their fucking roof. <laughs> well, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like I wasn't living a glamorous life. I wasn't going to Broadway shows. I wasn't like, you know, that I didn't have a glamorous life in New York. But 
I had a decent, like, I was living pretty nicely, to be honest. Like, I had everything I wanted, even though I don't want for much. It wasn't like, like, a lot of things just weren't an issue for me. But when I left New York and came to Texas, I worked my way into a new tax bracket. Like, I suddenly made a lot more money. And I think it was because I could focus more on my work as opposed to, because in New York, I was working for someone else. And I just, like, rocketed up. I had a lot more options. Also, so because, so not only did I make a lot more money, my expenses went down like 50%. So it just like, it fit really well for me. Like I was like, when I first moved to Texas, I was like, oh, I can afford this? I can afford that? This is crazy. Um, And then like I lived in the nicest places I've ever lived. No more illegal basement apartment. Although that illegal basement part was, I loved it. I had three bedrooms. It was small, but I loved it. The kitchen was super small, but what, I wasn't cooking like that. It was just me and my husband. And we worked opposite shifts. I mean, I was doing more for the Chinese dude that used to bring me my food. By the way, it got to the point where I ordered too much, so much Chinese food from that guy that he would just come in my house. Like, he knew the dog and everything. Because it's an illegal basement apartment, so the, the, the thing was on the opening was on the backside on an alley, which most people wouldn't come. Like, the pizza guy was like, bitch, you ain't <laughs> I'm not falling for that trick. <laughs> but, but this, but the Chinese food guy would come down on his like bike and would just come to the back door and would just be like, say hi to the dog, like open the door and put the food in there. Like he was too familiar. But you know what? I was like, I did this. And so, so when I moved to Texas, like I made more money here and my expenses went suddenly down. It was like a really fucking good move for me. Um, and. Like I don't self, I didn't self-identify with New York. I identified more with Chicago than I did with New York. And Chicago was hard to leave. New York, I lived there twice, was not hard to leave the first time because I was running away from it. And the second time I was just like, I did it. I came back, I made the money, I did the stuff, I've been to all the things, I did the blah, 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 and I'm good. I, like I, I feel like I didn't leave because it was, it fucked me over. I left because I was like, I have completed this step. I'm done here. And so in Texas, I like got a big boost in everything. And by the time this new job is like my next Pokemon evolution, like I've never made this much money. And please don't think I'm bragging guys. I'm really not. I'm just like, I was scared to take this job because I was like, what are they gonna want me to do for that? And I actually was like, stressed out about it and like considering not taking it and I text Kara and Kara was like well what do you want to do turn it down let some white guy get it and I was like oh uh, no <laughs> they have enough and so like somebody's gonna take the job and somebody's gonna get paid so and they want you so fucking get it and so I did and it's been going well I don't want to talk a lot about it because I don't want you guys to try to get me fired the next time you don't like something I tweet or something I say like you know I'll be up in here talking about how you shouldn't let uh it's not cute to let cats walk around on your pie crust and put it on the internet and then y'all be like you hate cats try to get this bitch fired like I don't want that uh but the job's going well and I really like I am doing the thing I should be doing um I am still writing, uh, I'm writing regulatory reports. That's what I'm doing. And so before this, I was like uh, freelance writing. I was doing a lot of content marketing, which means like, like, I don't know, uh, 
a narcolepsy clinic needs a lot of content for their website, for their uh, brochures, for their newsletter, whatever. I would write this content. I would research and write content for people, which is why <laughs> I'm not exactly, I like, I wouldn't consider myself a smart person. I just know a lot about a lot of weird thing, niche subjects because I used to get to like dig into things. And I famously talk about this summer that I had to write a lot about prostates, prostate cancer, prostate infections, milking a prostate, all these things. And like, like all summer long, it's all I could talk about. And people be like, princess, is this about prostates? Because I don't want to know anymore. And I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, there's like a smooth bridge. Like <laughs> and it's, that's been my writing career. And I've done like, um, essays and journalism stuff. And I'm actually, uh, <laughs> because of some trades I wrote for, I have to like <laughs> judge this contest this, this next month. It's a really dumb contest, but like, I need to do it. <laughs> I can't talk anything. I'm not going to talk anymore about it. Cause I really don't want you guys to get me fired from my gigs. <laughs> but like, I'm like, I don't know. I, I used to, I used to do a lot of pet writing, like pet business writing. And remember when on, um, Real Housewives of Dallas, what's the Cameron had that pink ass dog food and she went to that convention in Orlando. I used to go to that convention all the time and like, and like have to report on shit and like work, work a booth. For things. I used to like, it's very interesting how separate my work life is from the things I talk about in this podcast, because you would be very shocked at some of those. You'd be like, princess, you're doing what? And I'm like, yeah, it's like part of my gig. And so, um, but it's going well. I'm very happy. I have let them know, like you were going to give me a raise in 2021. And my boss was like, I believe that. I was like, but end of this year, I want like a $5,000 raise. And like, they don't know this, but I'll settle for three, but, um, I'm going to shoot for five. So it's going well. I, it's hard though, because where I work, the CEO is very much, um, loves working in the office. It's one of those things where like people think because they like it, everybody else has to like it. And so he thinks that working from home hurts people, which is absolutely not true. I disagree. And he knows that. Um, so I work from home most of the time, but sometimes I can't because they, he really has set a standard that people expect to be in the office. And, um, like the last full-time job I had, they felt the same way. And by the time I left, I convinced them, like everybody worked from home and they like moved from, <laughs> they like moved from like an office that they paid like $20,000 a month for to like, uh, what is it called? I'm, just, I'm forgetting it, but it's, you know, one of those places where you can rent like pieces of it, like, and conference rooms and stuff. They moved to something like that instead and just let everyone work from home because they realized how much money they were going to save and how people are just ex exactly as productive. Like somebody who doesn't do work at home ain't going to do work at work either. I just, just so you know, like it, it's, it's, all they're going to do is dick around on their fucking computer all day anyway. So it does not like, why are you paying rent so they can do that? And then also, do you want to be a person that has to walk behind people and go, are you doing your work? Are you doing your work? Are you doing your work? No, you just set goals for people, set expectations. And, what, and if they meet those expectations, great. And if they do not, then you put them on a training plan. And if they don't, if they don't hack it, then you let them go. Like forcing them to drive to an office is not the way to do it. But, um, so I'm fully confident 
that by the end of this year, I will convince them that I don't need to go to the office ever. But right now I'm mostly there on Mondays. I think things are going well. I'm happy with the job. I don't want to talk about it very much because I don't want you guys to get me fired. That's the, that's the end of the, the long and the short of it. Um, Anonymous says, I've been thinking about therapy for my son. I saw on Twitter that you do therapy for your kids early in the mornings on Sundays. I can't imagine doing that. How did you pick your therapist and how did you decide to do that? Um, so here's the deal. All my kids have traumatic pasts. All my kids have been foster care. Uh, most foster kids have to go to some sort of therapy. And I started doing, my kids, so all my kids have always been in therapy. We took a break for about a year after my two older boys were adopted. And I started going back to therapy because I thought my, uh, my second oldest son cheeks needed it. He needed it. And also having a therapist in my life was like another adult who he saw regularly, who could be on his team, who could be helpful with things. And then she started seeing my two older sons together so they could work on their relationship and stuff like that. Um, and then I went back to fostering. My niece was living, but like she wasn't doing therapy. And then she went back home and, um, my, I went back to doing like, like stranger fostering and all those kids had therapy requirements. And I, like, I used to go on like Thursday evenings or so, um, you know, just like, or Wednesday evening or whatever. And then like, um, my, I got the kids, they needed therapy. And I told her one day, I was like, listen, I just got a bunch of foster kids and, I got like two cases within a couple, within two days of each other and ended up with three extra kids. And I was like, dude, I can't like come here and spend five hours sitting in this waiting room, having kid go in, kid go out. And she was like, I understand. She's like, I do some home, like, cause it, cause it makes sense for her to come to my home if she's going to get five patients there. Right. It doesn't make sense if it's one. She's like, I do some home stuff. And she, and she's like, I, could do like a Sunday morning. And I was like, if that's if that, she's like, that's will work for my schedule. And I was like, okay, if that's what'll work for your schedule, then that's what we'll do. And so she would come at nine on Sundays. And uh, f- depending on if a kid like just got in a therapy, they'll do every week for like a couple of months. And once we get to a certain like level of like where we want certain things, we'll do every other week. And so that's where we are with all my kids every other week. She's been seeing them since she had me, um, since they've been here. When they went back to BioParent, they continued to see her. And when they came back, they continued to see me, um, see her back here. And so, like, I didn't choose Sunday morning. I don't go to church, so it's not, like, a big deal for me. Getting it done early in the morning helps. Um, I chose her because, like, so all the kids are on Medicaid. Um, all the foster kids are on Medicaid and stuff. But uh, when I chose her, she was... Um, and my kids have been adopted, so they were on a different, like, Medicaid plan or whatever. But I chose her because of, out of all the people, I went to the, you know, they gave me the list of people that do that do therapy for kids in the area. Um, I left some messages for some. They, some of them called me back, and we talked about some things. But she, like, I didn't have to explain anything to her. She knew exactly, she knows all about ADHD. She understood about like she works with a lot of foster and adopted kids so like there's a shorthand there like she has an understanding she's a very nice lady too I really like enjoy her and I'm glad that we found her now that said last time I saw her I told her that we're gonna take a break this summer here's the thing like therapy is like not a magic bullet and also like 
if you've been in therapy for years and years and years and you're all, and everything is still the same, like, what are you in therapy for? Like there is a, there, we're working towards something. So I'm like, not going to have my kids in therapy for the rest of their lives, just so they, they, they can have an extra, an extra person in their life. But let's, we're going to take a break this summer. We're going to see what we need to do this fall. Um, I believe that Bunny and Cheeks will be in therapy for some time. I don't know about the little ones. I don't think they really care. Uh, and Turtle just doesn't have a lot to talk about, to be honest. He just, you know, at one point Cheeks was upset one day and he was asking me why everybody likes Turtle. And what he means is that people get along, everyone gets along with Turtle. And when it's not a pandemic, Turtle gets like a million birthday, uh, party invites. He just, he get everybody gets along with him. Other foster kids that have lived here, like love Turtle. They always love Turtle. Cheeks is a little different story. And the reason is... The only person who's like who adores Cheeks more than anybody in the world is my mother. My that is her favorite. She she will ask about him and not ask about anybody else. She's always like, "Is he in trouble again?" Oh, he's always in trouble. I was like, "Yeah, like if this was your child, he'd be in trouble too because he did this and this." Well, I don't know if he meant that. What do you mean you don't know if he meant it? Doesn't matter if he meant it. He did it. And but the reason I told him I said it's because Turtle is. Turtle's a go with the flow personality. He he laughs at the right times. He is okay to wait his turn. He is he he is easily he fits into everything, to whatever group he just fits in. He's he's more of a follower to be honest, and people just get along with him. He's a mild guy, like it's who he is, and that doesn't make him better or worse than you. I was like, but you are somebody who's always got to be like like. In the world, in in the world of what if I did this? That's you, not Turtle. Turtle doesn't do that. Turtle's like, well, they told me to sit here, and then I'll just wait here until they come and get me. But you're over there going, hmm, <laughs> like, and that hmm gets you in trouble a lot. And I and I said it's just it, you know, my mom when I was younger <laughs> once told me she was just like, you know, you're kind of a weirdo. <laughs> I was I was like, what the fuck, lady? But she's like, yeah, you're kind of a weirdo. Um. She's like, not everybody's going to like you. It's okay, though. And I remember the time being, like, very, like, offended by what she was saying. But the older I got, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, not everybody is going to like me. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. There there are things that are difficult about me. And if you can get past them and we click, then beautiful. And if you don't, then, you know, you know, as uh, the lovely girls on Blackpink said, if you mad, stay mad. We ain't got to like. <laughs> that's how I feel. We ain't got to like each other. It's, it's, it's cool. It's a, and like freeing yourself from having to be liked and and like being likable as your main attribute is, it'll change your fucking world, okay? Just being like, oh, these people aren't feeling me? Okay, I'm going to go. Cool. All right. Well, y'all, y'all enjoy. I'll see you guys around. Let me just wander over here and find somebody else that's into what I'm doing and into what I'm saying and thinks that this is like that me being talkative and me being nosy and <laughs> and me want to do old lady shit. It's like, it's like cool. And when I find like one my, she's not listening to this, but my good friend, Michelle, me and Michelle, I had no idea we were going to like, just look at each other and be like, bitch, you being best friends or what? <laughs> we did. I was like, Oh, 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 you like that too? You want to have to, you want to do that too? It's great. And I told, I told my son this, I was like, um, you know, Nana 
peeped me the game very early that like, I'm not just, I don't blend in the walls. I just don't. So it's okay. It's fine. Not everybody's going to like that. You just got to go find the people that like it and you do it for them. Um, and I don't, and like I said, I, I think Turtle's going to have a fine fucking life. He's going to be fine. He, he's going to fit in wherever the fuck he goes. He's just that type of dude. I got to keep an eye on him though, because he's so quiet that sometimes things get lost in the shuffle. I got to like, make sure I, you know, I make sure all my kids get alone time with me. So I got to like ask questions, push a little. Cause he's, he's like, everything's fine. Everything's great. I did what I was told to do. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> All right. What else am I talking about here? Oh. Okay. Um, Anna asked me, Anna asked me about black <laughs> Rose's new, uh, solo. Um, it's called on the ground. Uh, Rose is a member of Blackpink. Now, listen. Rosé's not my favorite person in Blackpink. Rosé is fine. Like, she is a... People love her. She's very cute. She's very tiny. She has pink hair, usually, or blonde hair. Um, I've seen some some old stuff. She had, like, a little red. But she's kind of known. But Rosé is not my favorite. Um, I think I talked about this in another Ask Me Anything, where, like, like I love like watching black pink dance videos, but Rosé does this thing where she tilts her head to the side as she dances that I simultaneously hate, but also love. It's like, like I have to look at it all the time. It's like when you smell like a, a really like rank smell that you keep smelling over and over. You're like, wow, I don't like this. I don't like it, but I'm like, I got to look at it at least once a day. Um, Rosé's just not my favorite. And um, the reason is this is because I like bad bitch, pop music, uh, you did me wrong and now you're on this list, bitch, but that's all right. I'm going to be fine and I fucked your cousin. (laughs) I'm breaking up with you for this reason and I don't care. I'm leaving in my Bugatti. Like that's the type of music I like. I like revenge bad bitch music. That's what I like. (laughs) Like any lyrics that'll just be like, you're going to regret this. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm into. And Rosé's uh, character in Blackpink. I'm not, I don't claim to know who Rosé is. Rosé's character in Blackpink is just not that. She's the vocalist. She has the best uh, voice, in my opinion. She has a very unique voice too. Um, she's the one that can write music and can play like a lot, play like guitar and piano. And she's been the one that's been writing music the longest. Um, and so when they on the ground is fine, it's not bad at all, but it just is fine. It's not something I want to listen to all the time, you know? Um, and the video is okay too. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to Lisa's uh, solo because, you know, Lisa's got my vibe. And so I just want to see what Lisa's going to do. The, the reason people do solos and, like in in like U.S. music, if you're in a group, you don't like if you did a solo uh, song, people will be like, "Oh, what's that about? Are you trying to leave? Like, what's?" But in K-pop, people do solos all the time because it's about being a fan of like the idols. So by letting the idol come out and like do a song that's like perfected to them, 
they get more fans and more fans for that idol become more fans for this group and propel them. K-pop lives and dies on what the fans think. Um, it's why the the fan them can be so like important, but also they can be incredibly toxic because they own their idols. Like I'm like kind of nervous that I just said that Rosé isn't my favorite because I don't want to be taken down. But Lisa's my favorite. That's all. Lisa's my favorite. It goes Lisa and then Jenny because Jenny's like the Darth Vader of K-pop. Like if something happened, Jenny did it. <laughs> like people are always be like that Jenny. <laughs> And I like Jenny's like swag too. And it used to be Rosé then Jisoo, but I'm like starting to really appreciate Jisoo. And so um, Rosé is my least favorite right now. That's really all. And I like I said, I listened to this to the on the ground a few times, and it's fine. I watched a couple of videos, and I'm like, okay, well, what's next? <sighs> Like, I feel actually very guilty. I just did that. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be doxxed. Um, so the next one is from Megan. I've wondered what do you think you'll keep the same house rule that Foster inquired you to use? Do they just feel like your own parenting rules at this point because you foster so long or are you happy to be rid of them? As a parent who's just making shit up as I go, I found all the rules of fostering, no storing food at the flu level, double locking meds, really interesting. Um... I, they are restrictive, like, and I had a, the, the, my last go around, I had a caseworker, like, so the DCFS caseworkers don't really, like, check shit. They, they're, they're the kids, that's it. Unless some shit happens, they don't go checking with your medicine and stuff, but the agency caseworker, she, so the DCF caseworker goes from, goes with that child wherever they go. So you're just a stop on there. If this kid goes to another family tomorrow, you never hear from that caseworker again. My agency caseworker, is my caseworker. And so she she goes with whatever kids are in my house or her kids on her case. And so like, she's the one that's prepping me for like inspections. And she's the one that's like doing the um, treatment plans and going, okay, so this is, this is our goals for here. She's the one that's like calling me being like, girl, do you know you gotta do a CPR case by the end of this quarter? Did you schedule it? Let's look at the schedule. Cause we gotta schedule it. What's going on? Princess, how are you feeling? I still, I'm still hearing from her and I really appreciate that. Even She's so nice. She's actually like offered to set up, like go to the park and let the kids play together. And I was like, maybe like, that's a good idea. Cause she has a kid the same age as Buddy and that kid used to come with her. Anyway, um, so that agency caseworker was the one that would go around and be like, is there food on this floor over here? Is this, let me see your medications. Where's your log? And so like, but I got lucked out with this one because she's like very lax about those things. So she wasn't even checking them. I am fortunate that like, I don't know. I'm just the person that I go hard about things and I'm on top of things. I'm sure that like, it's hard when it's not in your nature to do that type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, like you got a whole fucking job. You got your own kids. You got these foster kids. You got a husband. You got your parents. Like, you just got shit, man. You know, also a Demi Lovato documentary is coming. Like, you got you got stuff to do. <laughs> and you're, like, not worried about that kind of thing. It did really take some getting used to. Because a lot of the rules are very restrictive. They're restrictive because these aren't your kids. And the state wants to indemnify itself from things. It's It used to be, like, you can't have trampolines. Because if they if something happens on a trampoline, someone could sue the state. And... It is very clinical a lot of times. I don't, 
so no, I don't keep like I don't keep those regulations going. The medicine is not locked anymore. I did do some things with the medication um, that we use every day. Uh, I do keep it out of the children's. Like I got like a little case for it, and I put it on top of the refrigerator because I just don't want to have kids to have access to it, um, especially Bear Bear. Like Bear Bear wants to die, like. Bear Bear put a Tide Pod in his mouth. I don't know where he fucking got it because the Tide Pods are up very high. I think what happened is one of the other kids put... So I'm teaching the kids laundry. They're learning it. They're doing the thing. I didn't want to because one time Turtle tried to do laundry for me and put some super soap, aka bleach, in my clothes. <laughs> but they like... So I do laundry by room. I do Bunny's laundry. Uh, Turtle and Cheeks do laundry together. And uh, Bear Bear and Monkey do laundry together. So I take their stuff. I do the laundry and, excuse me, I instruct them. I say, all right, I'm about to do your laundry. Can you go put your dirty clothes into the washing machine? I don't own things that need to be separated by color because I got too many fucking, I got too much shit happening for that. So um, I, what did I say? I... So I'll be like, Bunny, can you go put your clothes in the washing machine? She puts her clothes in the washing machine. Um, she makes sure that nothing's in her pockets. And then she, the kids like to put the Tide Pod in the in the thing. And then I start it because I'm always afraid they're going to put different things on, put different uh, functions on there. So I, what I think happened is that somebody was putting their laundry in there. They got a Tide Pod down from the top, from the shelf that Bear Bear could not reach and dropped one and then they didn't pick it up. All I know is that Bear Bear comes running down the hallway screaming and there's like blue goo coming from his mouth, crying. And I'm like, what is that in your mouth? He's like, I put it in my mouth. Uh, why? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. Uh. So I'm like having to rinse out his fucking mouth and shit. He's just going to die. And one time, so I keep things in like Ziploc bags, sometimes like little toys that go together, not in the rooms, like on the common area in the shelf, like, like if you have like little cards or something, they'll be in a Ziploc bag. And I told Bear Bear to go in his room. And I was like, yeah, um, go in your room. And then I went right in, like five seconds later, I went in there with him. I go in there, this motherfucker has a Ziploc bag over his head. Five seconds. I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. I was like, get that off your head. You are the reason they make the warning not to put the bag on your head. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You just want to die. And so <laughs> if he makes it to five, it, December 11th, if he makes it to five, December 11th, it'll be a miracle. Um, but like, I need restrictions on certain things because I have small children. But yeah, like no food store on the floor. I mean, I don't, I, I don't follow those same things. I just don't have to. Um, and it's, I think it's one of the reasons I probably won't go back to fostering because, I mean, I did. I took, what did I take? a year two years off year and a half off but i think the further we get away from me doing those restrictions the harder it's going to be to go back to them um jessica asked favorite real housewife franchise thoughts on Teresa and joe judici just start just started watching went down the real housewives of new jersey rabbit hole i hate that joe was deported so fucked up the the u.s deports people who came here as baby especially for non-violent crimes um Okay, so I like that Joe was deported. 
because I'm petty. But um, the reason Joe was deported is because Joe came over as a baby and Forglow, like he, like all his whole family, you know, did the citizenship thing and he just didn't because he's lazy and he's bad. <laughs> and then he committed like, I mean, they are nonviolent crimes, but um, the DUI thing, the trying to get a license with his brother's information thing. <laughs> he kept getting caught. I mean, I wonder how much shit he's done that he hasn't been caught for. Uh, I think, so the thing that got him deported was the federal um, case. And one thing to remember about Joe and Teresa is this. Joe and Teresa fraudulently got a loan on a house they couldn't afford. Cause you know, everybody was doing it. I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people on this fucking show were getting loans. They didn't have no business getting loans, but they did. They got a fraudulent loan and had they paid the loan or sold the house and repaid the loan with them, that everything would have been fine. Everything would have been fine. But what they did instead was they filed bankruptcy. And in the course of that bankruptcy, they lied about some things and it, and that's how they ended up in trouble, right? You know, I love some white collar crime, guys. I love crime that you didn't really have to commit if <laughs> you didn't want to. And so um, I was very interested in this case. And this is how Joe and Teresa end up going to jail. Because, and it was very egregious. What You should really like go, if you can go back to find like some of the, um, the newspaper articles written about like detailing this, it was very egregious the things they did. Like they were lying all the way through their bankruptcy. Like even after they knew they were in like incredible trouble, like it was going, like they were going, they were going to be charged in federal crimes. They were still lying about so many things. Um, so I think it's right. I think, I think you are right that the U S deports over nonviolent crimes and, in, and, I don't think it's right in a lot of places. I'm just so petty that I really like the fact that Joe got deported. But I mean, he's like, what is he living in the Bahamas now? I mean, just because he can't go to the U.S. doesn't mean he can't. Like, he's doing fine. Um, in terms of Joe and Teresa, uh, I guys, I think it's so interesting that we started off this franchise with Caroline Manzo and the Manzo family in general being like, the heart of the, of the, like, Teresa was a friend of the Manzos. That's how she's, it's almost how she's described, right? And as we start the thing. And not that I'm some big Manzo fan. I mean, they got their shit, okay? But so interesting that because, that if the Danielle shit hadn't happened, right? If the, Dan the Danielle shit hadn't happened and Danielle hadn't said or done something that involved with uh, Dina Manzo's uh, custody shit, Dina would have never left the show. And like Danielle said some things and then Caroline got involved in it and Dina felt like Caroline cared more about the show than she cared about the family. And this is one of the reasons that Caroline and Dina fight all the time. There's another, there's a couple other things, but uh, it, it really boiled down that Dina felt like Caroline was a reality TV star instead of a sister. Um, and so she leaves the show. If she hadn't left the show, if they had stayed as sisters on the show and all their drama with the behind the scenes that come to it, 
I think the Mansons would have stayed on the show longer. And if they hadn't left the show, somebody said that, that Caroline left in season six. And I was like, bullshit. When did Caroline Mansell leave the show? I think it was season three, maybe, maybe four. I, it couldn't have been six. It was the last time she appeared on it. No. Um, if that family hadn't left and then we got more and more focus on Teresa and Ter and Teresa's brother and sister-in-law came. If that, if, if, if the Manzos hadn't refused to give us what the Gorgas was willing to give us and like a fight at a christening, then Teresa wouldn't be where she is right this fucking moment. But you know what? That's how things happen. Sliding doors. One thing doesn't happen. One thing does like, so here we are. Um, I would like shout out to Cara Berry who gave us gave us the blueprint for what would happen with with Teresa and Joe uh, well before it happened. She explained to us that Joe was going to get deported and that Teresa wasn't going to say much, but they were definitely going to get a divorce. Like like Teresa wasn't wasn't all Teresa makes all the money in that in that relationship and her money is here at the U.S. <laughs> so. So Teresa had no intention of going. I actually caught, I'm not watching this season of Jersey. I don't know. Jersey just doesn't do it for me all the time. It's not that I won't look at it. It's just that like sitting down to watch it is a chore. And I think Bravo is doing too many episodes of things uh, these days. And, but I caught an episode and I was looking at Adriana. I was like, Adriana, what are you, 30 fucking five? I remember when you were born. <laughs> uh, they have such pretty girls. They really do. Um, and then like just watching because TikTok is like, there's a trend on TikTok to do, uh, to tell your worst life story at the, to the sound of uh, Gia's terrible, terrible song that they had her do on the fucking show about her family being ripped apart when she was a little girl. Um, just seeing that, like, I, I've had some like nostalgia about it. Um, like, I think this is always where Teresa and Joe were going to end up. You know what I mean? Like, also, Teresa married Joe when she was much younger. Teresa is a is a daughter of immigrants. Uh, she, much the way that we talk about um, being first generation makes you feel different. Like, Teresa was raised very traditionally. Teresa, the, the Teresa that Joe married is not the Teresa of today. This bitch has been to prison, okay? I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't like her. But I'm saying that, like, a lot of things have changed. And I also think that um, even if they didn't go to prison, they couldn't have stayed together. First of all, it was going to be harder and harder for Joe to cheat on her. The more famous you are, the harder it is for them not to fucking find out. Ask Derek Jackson. Um, and... You know, we've had some great scenes with him on the fucking show. Here comes my cunt of a wife or his bitch of a wife. I don't know. Uh, oh, he's on the phone with some woman. Like, he cheated on her constantly. It, it was going to be, it was really going to come. Like, at some point, one of the people he cheated on her was going to be on the show. Like, it was, it was, too, it was, it was never going to be able to be kept under wraps. And then the more Teresa became famous and making her own money and being like the breadwinner of this fucking family, the the more the dynamics of that relationship have changed. Teresa's not that girl that like, you know, makes your cannolis and bullshit. <laughs> and I, like this, she's not gonna be that girl anymore. Uh, Liz says this all the time. 
she thinks the moment that relationship really ended was when Teresa had to go to prison and Teresa and her mother died the next year when she got out and she blames Joe, which yeah, I blame Joe too. It's not that I don't think Teresa was guilty. Teresa did like say that she had a job. Like, you know what I mean? And she did like, like Teresa knew the shit was a lie. But I will say that Teresa, it's not like Teresa came up with a fucking plan. It's not like Teresa, uh, um, this was Teresa, like everybody was doing this shit. I'm not, I'm, I'm not downplaying, but I'm just saying every per like Joe and Melissa, somebody should look in their finances. Everybody was doing shit like this to get these fucking loans at the time. Um, uh, and I can't remember. Did they get sentenced or did Joe, did they do a plea deal? Because to be honest, the big thing I regret, I blame Joe for is dragging Teresa into this because as soon as he got arrested, he should have been looking for a plea deal that included no time for Teresa. I will do like, I, I what do he have like a little less than three years or whatever? He should have been doing like, I'll do fucking five years if it means that my wife doesn't have to go to prison because this is not, this wasn't her thing. Um, yeah, I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> like him I never did like I the the homophobic shit he used to say I mean not that Danielle was even was any better but like I felt like she just pointed it out because she wanted to point out something with Joe you know later on she's standing next to that Danny convict or whatever calling uh the Manzo kids f slurs or whatever but like, I just never liked him. He wasn't a good person. I'm just imagining Gia and, you know, what's the one that doesn't talk? The one, the one that the mailman brought, you know, that second one. And even Melania, who I do not like at all. Like, I do not like Melania at all. But, but just imagining them and Adriana, imagining them having to be in that house with, because by all accounts, he was a straight up alcoholic at, at, while Teresa was in jail. He was drinking himself to fucking sleep every night. He was uh, not doing what he's supposed to do with those kids. Like Nona and Nono were the ones trying to take care of them and the older girls and like just doing all this stuff. And just imagine being in that house, knowing your mom's in jail. Also, it's all over the internet. You're not like Amish kids. You can fucking see it. And like... Then some chick comes over, like it's like 10 o'clock at night and you notice that dad's got company in the basement. Like, get the fuck out of here. I, I hate Joe. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Rosalind, what are your thoughts on the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Also, what is your favorite song from the show? I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love it. I didn't know I was going to love it. I was like, what is, you know, it's kind of like Cougar Town. And there's also a uh, sitcom called, um, Trophy Wife that was actually very good, but it just had a really bad name. And it was, I was like, I don't want to watch this. But, you know, I started watching it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I got into a fight with someone who was trying to tell me that Rebecca Bunch was like a plus size icon. Bitch, Rebecca Bunch was a size six. And I know that because there's an episode where her where she's getting, where she's supposed to be getting married to Josh. And uh, fuck, what is her name? Paula. Paula calls her mother and is like, you need to get down here with a dress that's a size six. Like, girl, girl, size six is not plus size. But 
I love, I love the characters. I think it's so funny. Um, I think the first time I was like, oh, I'm going to really like this show was the sexy getting ready song. <laughs> I love that show. I love that one. Um, I also of course love heavy boobs. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs, dents like dying stars. <laughs> I love that. Um, there's a song where she, uh, battles, her old friend, I want to say Audra, like old frenemy enemy. And it's a rap song that they call a name that I don't feel comfortable saying. But if those Jewish people want to talk like that to each other, none of my business. Just like if you are a white person or a non-black person that, that hears two black people saying the N-word to each other, mind your business. And so I just felt... <laughs> I, I do like that song, but I'm always uncomfortable when it plays. But I think my favorite song is early seasons, Rebecca. No, no, no. So another honorable mention is when Rebecca is babysitting Paula's kids. I don't know where Paula is. I think trying to cheat on her husband. I'm not sure. And, so, and she is doing kind of a big bang, like a big band song about how she's a good mother and how she's going to breastfeed. It's, 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 when I say big band, I, I want you to think like 24 karat, uh, magic like that, like, like lots of instruments, lots of like, <laughs> that's good. Um, the don't be a lawyer. Don't be a lawyer. <laughs> that song. So fucking good. Lots of good points in it. Um, that's a coworker that's singing it uh to one of the latter characters um it's a black guy and he's doing a very like 90s r&b don't be a lawyer <laughs> but my favorite 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 song okay is um she's dating greg and she's falling in love with him and it is just a song about how oh my god i think i love you that's a, i think that's the name of the song um, cause in the song, she's like telling herself, don't be a dumb bitch. <laughs> it's a good one. I, I really love crazy ex-girlfriend, but I like, I've always liked musicals in general. I love, I love newsies. <laughs> I love that fucking, fucking movie. I, it's one of the reasons I like Disney. I'm not like a Disney fan, but I like Disney movies because of, those cartoons are basically cartoon musicals. And, and I love I love um, Legally Blonde, the musical. I do. I love shit like that. I have the soundtrack. I listen to it all the time, especially when I got to get some shit done. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't do the latter years of Glee, but Glee was very, like when it first came on, it was so fucking good to me. Um, the Britney episode of Glee, I love that episode. I even love Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is on now. Um, I, I really enjoy it partly because of Peter Gallagher's eyebrows, but yeah, I like, these are, these are right up my alley. I mean, I can't do them all day, every day, but like, I kind of get into it and I'm just like loving it. Um, thank you for asking me about that because I am definitely going to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend today. Kim, looking for advice. How do you cut out a toxic family member? My grandmother's mean as a snake, her negativity nastiness and shit talking of everyone torments me i call her every couple of weeks because my dad bugs me to keep in contact even though he admits he's she's horrible and i feel guilty so i do it i really think i need to stop for the sake of my mental health but i'm a freaking wimp girl you so many people are in that position i think that 
the first part is easy, right? It's easy for you. So the first part is to make sure everybody knows that this person is a bad, it's like, I'm going to say she's a bad person. I, if you make everybody miserable, you're a bad person. I know it's your grandmother I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not like trying to like come down on your family. I'm just saying that, that the way you describe her, you say she's a bad person. So like in some sense instances, your other family members do not even recognize that this person is a bad person. So you've got that part down, but everybody knows, even your dad knows. But the fact is, it makes you unhappy to be in contact with her. And so you don't have to. You don't even have, like she's a grandmother, not even a parent. Like for me, I've talked about my father's in prison. My bio father is in prison. And I feel a certain responsibility to uh, help take care of him. Um, like by sending him money, I take phone calls from him. Um, I have a fine relationship with him, but the nature of his crimes, I would not be in contact with anybody else who had the nature of those crimes. So, and I don't, I don't do jail, right? So like, I'm not going to have a relationship with someone in jail. He's the only person. And I feel a certain, um, responsibility for, because I'm his parent and I'm one of his last living, I'm his child. I'm his only child and I'm his last living relative. And so I, what I do is what I can do. And because of that responsibility, this isn't even your parent. And, and, the thing that makes you feel like, not that you shouldn't give up toxic parents. What I'm saying is like, there's an extra step removed for you. So it's not, so the thing that makes you feel guilty is your dad wants you to, and you probably care about your dad, right? That otherwise you would, you care about your dad. This is two things to remember. Your dad, your dad's fucked up relationship with his mother is not your fucked up relationship with his mother. And I understand you're a wimp, but you gotta just tell your dad, you have to say your dad, like it's fucking with my mental health. I don't like her. She's really mean. And I don't wanna speak to her. This is what I can do. So whatever it is you can't, whatever makes you, if, if, if not having any contact with her, that's fine. But like, you know, like I said, when I was just talking about my bio dad, like I feel comfortable sending him money. I feel comfortable accepting a phone call from him every other week or so that for 20 minutes, because that's what the prison lets them call that. I feel fine. That, that's fine. Um, at this time in my life, I don't feel comfortable promising to visit him cause I'm not going to, um, if for you sending a card on holidays is as comfortable as you feel, that's fine. If for you seeing her on fam family gatherings after the panorama is gone, is comfortable enough to spend like 10 seconds, 10 minutes saying hello and like then going back around, that's fine. Um, so my grandfather, I've talked about him at length here. Um, I'm not scared of him. He hasn't done anything to me at this point, but I just don't vibe with him. And it's because when I was young, he was a, he was an active alcoholic and abusive. And I wouldn't even say, I can't even remember of time he's hit me. But I just, I, when I was younger, I was scared of him and I didn't vibe with that man. And I just don't have a connection with him. And so I don't fuck with him like that. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that I don't really fuck with him like that, even my mom. But like, if my mom makes it to Texas to visit her dad, I will drive three hours to Houston to see my mother at his home. I am fine saying hello to him, asking him how he is. And that's like, I don't have no problems doing that. If she were to say, you need to call him, every week. I'd be like, no, I can't do that. What for? So 
I know you're a wimp in his heart. I get it. So maybe it's best you can do it during write through writing, like kind of like uh, putting barriers in between you and the person you're talking to because sometimes helpful. So I would just stop calling grandma. And then if your dad texts you and say, um, reaches out to you and says, um, have you, you really need to call grandma because you haven't talked to her. I would text back this, I would say. I understand that she's your mom and you want to make sure that she keeps in contact with people. But as we both know, she is a really hard person to be around. She's mean. She's vicious. She says mean things. And I really have to prioritize my mental health right now. I cannot be, I, it's not good for me. I want to be here for you. You know, I love you. I want to be here for you. I, I, I the only reason I was doing it was for you is because I love you so much, but I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. Here's what I can do. I can send cards. I will be, I'm fine to, to see her at family functions. Yada, yada, yada. I don't have a problem going to her funeral. <laughs> don't say that. It sounds petty. But, but I, I cannot do these weekly calls anymore. I hope you understand. And then whatever he says back, either I don't understand or that disappoints me or, or, um, she really loves you just cause she calls you a cunt all the time. Doesn't mean she, that's how she shows love. You know, like I said, my, my mom and my grandfather have a great, my mother loves her father very, very much. She also grew up in a time where like somebody just showing up and hitting a bunch of people was fine. Not, and keep it, just to keep it a thousand percent real, my mother spanked me when I was younger. I mean, she hasn't spanked me since I was like eight or nine years old, but she spanked me. I like, She had no problem hitting me when I was a child. She used to have a cable cord that she folded in half, wrapped electrical tape around it because it didn't really leave marks. And it used to make a noise in the air and went, woof, woof. And my only reason I got hit less than my brothers is because I'm lighter and I would have bruises. And so like my mother hit children and had no problem hitting children when she was younger. My mother never fought me as a teenager or my, I just don't like, as much as I don't believe people should hit children, I don't believe my, my relationship with my mother was abusive in any way. I believe the way my grandfather handled his children was abusive. And he just, I was born, my mom was 20 years old. So if I remember him being verbally and physically abusive, not, we can't even file this under spanking. He was hitting adults, like, Cause she has older siblings. She was hitting, he was hitting adults. And I just, I draw the line there and I understand that she can't. I understand that she loves her father. That's her own fucking thing. We have two different relationships with that man. So I would say, sorry, I'm babbling. I would say this. I would first be clear about what, where I want to set the boundary, right? What can I do? And if that's nothing, if the only thing I can do is come to a funeral, then that's what it is. And just be real honest with yourself. I'm not saying you can't move a boundary. You can but just don't, don't, don't say I can go to her house for family functions if the only reason you want to go is so people won't be mad at you. Really, what feels okay to you? Set your boundary there. Communicate it to your father because he's the one that's really giving it to you, right? The one that's kind of giving you the pressure. Communicate it to him. And if you can't do it over the phone or in person because that will feel too confrontational, by text is fine. Make sure you emphasize that you love him and you understand why it's important to him. But this, these are the effects it has on me. It's, it's hurting my mental health. 
I, you know, dread the days I have to call. I feel terrible afterwards. I have to take a nap. And since we both acknowledge, which like I said, it's the easy part because a lot of families will be like, no, nothing's wrong with grandma. She's fine. <laughs> like, since we both acknowledge she's a really bad person, I don't feel like putting myself in there. And good luck. And also, good job. Good job that you're even thinking like this. Like, we should all be doing things that make us more happy and bring us joy. If it does not bring us joy, not to be Marie Kondo about it, because she's not the first person to ever say that. And also, like, you know, everybody says that. But if it doesn't like bring some joy into our life, bring some happiness to his life, give us some benefit, we don't have to do the shit. Like, even, like parenting my kids is super hard, but it gives me a benefit because I care about them and I want them to have good lives. Other things don't bring me joy and don't give me the benefit. Let, leave that shit alone. Good luck. Or I could write like a really mean letter to your grandma for you. <laughs> Dear Kim's grandma, why you got to be a bitch? <laughs> Signed, anonymous. Um, I think this says Mademoiselle Sophie. Uh, how are you adjusting to not fostering after doing it for so long? I imagine it's been adjustment for the whole family. Girl, it's been hard. It's been hard. Um, it just, it things are different. And... Uh, like I, I think I've talked about this before. I, I was looking forward to not having all these people in my world, but I miss my caseworker, my agency caseworker a lot. I miss the one checking in on me like that. I certainly miss the money. <laughs> the money was nice, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's been different. And I think it's also been hard on the kids. I think people think that, that getting adopted just was like, well, I, you know, can't see me, but I'm doing that, washing my hands of things like, oh, well, that's, we're done with that. We're moving on. And I think that for Bunny, it was really difficult. Like she was all in on being adopted. She really wanted to be adopted. But I also think she's realizing that, oh, this isn't going to happen anymore. These people aren't going to come see me. They're Casa worker. By the way, they're Casa worker. I turn on the fucking TV and I don't never watch Spectrum News. I don't watch any news channel. I don't want to. But I turn on the fucking TV and there's a woman talking. I was like, is that their fucking Casa worker? I used to have a uh, FaceTime call with her once a month. And I didn't want to watch the fucking news channel. So I, I went to the internet and I looked it up. Yes, bitch. <laughs> their Casa worker is a news anchor on Spectrum TV. <laughs> From Texas. Oh my God. Oh, um, Oh goodness. But uh she contacted me a little a couple weeks after adoption and was like, Can I have a goodbye visit? Like, can I see them? And I was like, No. <laughs> and the reason is this not because I don't want you to, but because it has been an adjustment. Adoption, a lot of things happen like although nothing happened in our household, emotionally a lot of things happened that day. And especially for Bunny, it's really hard for her that people don't visit her and people don't um, see her. And like, you know, she's used to every adult because I don't really have people come to my house. So every adult that shows up at the house is for her to see her, to to ask her how she's doing. To do, I think not having therapy is going to be an adjustment for her, too. Um, so. I don't want to go back and have like a visit with her, with the casa worker, and then lose some progress we've made, you know? 
Um, it is, like I said, it's difficult because fostering was my volunteerism, right? So before I started fostering, I was doing a lot of work with homeless, displaced people, displaced children mostly. Um, and I did some other programs where I would like, uh, uh, read with children after school. Um, I would do things like, uh, uh, homeless teens, um, that were pregnant or that, um, they had a house and I would like be like a den mother overnight on like a weekend to help because yes, I'm an adult there mostly just to keep pimps from coming in and keep girls from like leaving. Um, and like, I've done a lot of stuff and, but fostering was my thing that helped, that helped me like, like fostering, there is no better way to have a huge impact in fostering. Right. Because, all right. So don't hate me. You know how like when people are like, mothering is the most important job in the world. I don't believe that. Mothering is not a job. You don't get paid and you can't quit unless you want to go to jail. So like, <laughs> so, like, I don't think it's a job. Like it's not a job. And even if it wasn't, it's not the most important job in the world. It's the most important job to one person, the person that you're mothering. But by fostering, so I don't think fostering is the most important job. I don't think mothering is the most important job in the world. But if you want to make the biggest impact, something, that care for one person, the impact will be very big in that one person. And by fostering, it was like every day I was doing something to help my community, to help this child and their family. Like, right? Because fostering, most of it is the, the, the idea is to get back to, you know, being a reunited family. And... I like by facilitating visits, by making sure that this kid was being cared for, that, that this kid didn't end up in a group home or in a, in a bad foster home. There are people that showed this kid love, but also was like, yeah, it's okay to miss your family. It's, you know, it, your family's working. Like being that person to this kid was incredibly helpful. Um, so I missed that. And I, my plan was to get back into fostering in March but once I got the first vaccine shot, I was like, I want to make sure I'm fully vaccinated before I start. Cause I, what I'd like to do is I work, like to work with unhoused people again. Um, maybe at the food bank, I can help with that. I mean, those aren't, they, they don't serve only unhoused people. They serve anybody who, who needs it. But I'd like to do like some stuff like that. And if I'm vaccinated, even though I'm going to be obviously wearing a mask and everything and, and still distancing as much as I can, because a vaccination, the vaccinations are safe and they do prevent you from getting COVID, but no vaccination is a thousand percent effective. And like, just like if you get the flu shot, you can still get the flu. It's just less, um, less, uh, likely for you to get a bad case of it. Um, it is possible to get COVID when you're vaccinated. So I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm Superman or whatever, but at least I can say I'm doing the best I can to make sure I'm not going to bring home something to my family. My kids aren't vaccinated and I don't know when they'll have a kid vaccine for it or if, and, but yeah, I, I would feel more comfortable going back to volunteering than once I'm vaccinated. That's what I'm saying here. Um, oh, last question. Jess, who is your favorite TikTok follow? Guys, I don't have TikTok. <laughs> I don't have TikTok. I enjoy watching TikTok videos as long as I don't have to download and look at TikTok. And the reason is this. I'm an old woman. 
That's reason number one. Reason number two, I don't need anything else in my life to scroll through. I already have Twitter, which has been like my first social media love. It wasn't my first social media. It's my first social media real fucking love. I already have Twitter, which is becoming a problem because Twitter is all doom and gloom. Let me tell you who died. <laughs> Let me, you know, it's all that. Let me tell you what terrible thing is happening behind closed doors. Let me tell you about this person who's a rapist and you didn't even know. Not that I'm saying that, like I don't want to be notified when something notable dies or when somebody's a bad person. I actually love those tweets where you guys are like never forget and you're just a screenshot of something that someone's done because a lot of times I don't fucking know. And I'm like, what? They were doing what? When? Oh my God. Like I love those never forget tweets. Um... I, and I do think if somebody is a rapist or a sexual harasser or, or whatever, I think people should, you should let, let them know. I think, I think it's only fair to expose them. And so, um, I'm not saying these are bad tweets. I'm saying that like, I'm already death scrolling through Twitter and to a lesser extent Instagram, even though I've got timers on my shit now, but I don't need another thing to scroll through. I'm actually, I've been thinking a lot about happiness and so one of the things that like has been a long-standing theme with me is that I'm not a cool person I'm not someone to be envious of or to be like that girl's got it you know I'm not that and I never have been because I've always been more focused on how things felt than how things look not that I've always been able to verbalize it that way but like the reason my mom called me a little weirdo is because I was always more interested in like if something made me happy, more of that. And if something made me anxious or worried or uncomfortable, like clothing made me, I was like, no, I'm not going to wear that. Like I don't, I don't believe I've ever owned a pair of heels. Nope. I owned one pair of heels. I wore them from the store. I walked into the house and took them off because they hurt me and then went into the bathroom and my dog ate them up and was like, bitch, you don't need these. I don't even like these shoes. And that's the only pair of heels I've ever owned. Like, because I prioritize how I feel over how I look. And that means I don't always look enviable. I don't always look hot. I don't, I'm not saying I've never looked hot or anything. I'm not trying to, like, don't, this isn't me being like, I've always been ugly. This isn't that. But what I'm saying is that I prioritize, like, how this clothes make me feel. If I feel good on them, if I feel confident in them, if I feel comfortable, if I feel like if putting this on makes me feel like a bad bitch, then obviously I want to wear it. But if putting it on makes me look like a bad bitch to the other bad bitches, but I don't feel like a bad bitch in it, then I don't want to wear it. And so, and so because of that, I've spent a lifetime choosing things that other people don't necessarily choose. Again, this is not me bragging, being like, I'm such an interesting person. No, what I am is somebody who's been very much like this over that, that over this. I don't need that. I don't care about that. Why is it, why am I talking about this when I'm supposed to be talking about TikTok? I, it is not important to me to know everything. It is not important to me to be on top of like pop culture stuff. It is not important to me. Like also, I think TikTok's algorithm sounds amazing it really just shows you more of what you want to see which I mean all the algorithms do that but TikTok is very like is very good at kind of being like did that make you happy here's another thing um so I 
like that. What, but the, the reason I'm uninterested in it is that I just don't want to do more internet stuff. I'm not an internet person, guys. I don't, maybe you think I am. I don't think you should think, you don't think that about me, do you? I'm more of an internet person than people my age that I meet, which is probably why I don't like people my age that I meet. <laughs> but I'm not an internet person. I guess I don't want to live my life on the internet. I want to do stuff. <laughs> I sound ridiculous right now, but I want to do stuff. I want to do, and especially do stuff that make me happy. You know, I was heavy in the Facebook groups. Like I, I go in and out of that, but I'm not on Facebook at all now. But I spent a couple of years being heavy in the Facebook groups and then like dipping off because Facebook groups always implode. Um, and even if they don't implode, they can get very toxic to the point where you're like, I gotta go. Um, and by the time like most of you know me, um, I was back in the Facebook groups really heavy. I was in the EBP Facebook group. And this is the reason I have this fucking podcast. So I'm not, I don't regret like that Facebook group and that time when I was like heavy in the Facebook groups and heavy online all the time and heavy on Twitter all the time. Um, I don't regret that. But that year I went to go do my taxes and just basically was let known that if I was working for myself, if I had worked like paying work, like an hour or two hours a day, it was something really like five hours a week. It was something ridiculous, ridiculously small that I would have made 20,000 more dollars a year. Some people don't make $20,000 a year. And I was like, well, what was I like? Why couldn't I have done that little bit of like an hour a day or two hours? Why couldn't I have done that? And I was like, oh, you're writing fanfic about fucking Janelle on a Facebook group. Why are you doing that? And I'm not saying I didn't have fun. I did have fun. Okay. I did. I had lots of fun. When I'm doing internet-y stuff like that, when I'm like deep into pop culture, deep like getting into like celebrities business and stuff, I'm not saying I don't have fun doing that. I do. But when I have those like moments of being that person, I always lose something from it. I don't gain anything from it. I always lose something I care about from it. And so like, this doesn't have anything to do with TikTok. I'm sorry, I'm babbling. But one of my goals right now is to spend less time scrolling, especially doom scrolling, especially waiting for the next bad thing to happen, especially that. Not that TikTok would do that to me. You know, I, I believe TikTok would, would like, envelop me in its warm embrace. <laughs> and I would just see black girl joy videos. Like I, you know what I love? I love a little, I love, I just want to see sassy black girls and people celebrating them. I, I think my Instagram algorithm is perfect. All I see is drag queens and black women. Happy as fuck. That's all I fucking see. I haven't seen a white man on, on, on my, on suggested to me by Instagram that wasn't in a wig in a very long time. But, and I'm sure TikTok would do that for me too. I just don't need a new thing. In fact, I need less things. Um, there's some projects I want to do. I'm not doing my personal writing as much as I would like to. There are a lot of, there are like a series of essays I like to write um, and either be paid for or start medium blogging for. There are some books I would like to work on. There are some shit I need to do. And 
taking on one more thing for me to scroll through at night. Like I'm not even sleeping well and I'm excellent at sleep, but I'm not sleeping that well right now because of my husband's work schedule and stuff. I'm just thinking of myself, like just, you can't see me. I'm doing a scroll. Uh, and I'm just like, no, don't do this. Don't do this. I need less Twitter. I, I probably need no Instagram, zero Instagram. And I don't need to put pick up on TikTok at this point. That did not answer your question. I don't, I don't know who my favorite person is on TikTok because whenever I see TikToks, I, they're always on Twitter and I'm always like, that's cute. I'm still not going to do it. Um, I've just really been thinking a lot about like what I want my next phase in life to be. I've talked to you guys before. Like when I did that um, after the freeze uh, um, pot, like podcast episode of Princess Diaries and I was talking about like like what the future should be, like what I want, what I value and stuff. And I think I also talked about it a lot in like my writing stuff in um, Trixie Mattel, when I did Trixie Mattel's documentary, that was last week. But like, I can't, I could not plot out my life. Like the life I have, if you went back to me at 18 or whatever, I'd be like, girl, what the fuck is this? This is, uh-uh. No, <laughs> five kids, why? <laughs> why even one girl? What are you doing? Like, like I don't know that, like if I had been the, the if I had plotted out my life, I, I certainly wouldn't be where I am now. But I also feel like my life has come, I've earned all this honestly. Wherever I am, I've gotten here honestly. I, I couldn't have predicted this podcast, this little podcast that brings significant income into my home, that brings joy to my life, that I get to sit on a, uh, on a mic and just talk about nothing half the time. Um, yeah, there are things I've wanted and things that I wish I had. Like there are staff writing jobs that I'm like, I should have gotten that fucking job. I was perked for that job. I cannot believe I got turned down for that. There have been times I've been turned down for shit, like awards and like consideration for things. I've been like, what the fuck, man? Why, why isn't I, why aren't I getting what I'm supposed to have? And like, it's cause I wasn't supposed to have it. I worked really hard. I did everything I could and it didn't happen. And there are reasons it didn't happen. And we can list those things out. And some of those reasons are unfair. And some of those reasons are bullshit. But the fact is it didn't happen because I'm supposed to be somewhere else. And I'm like, just thinking about where's the next place I'm supposed to be. Now, maybe, maybe it's not for me to decide. I don't know. You guys know I'm not a religious person. I would love to be religious, but I just, I can't do it. Um, like organized religion doesn't do it for me. I'm like, I just can't. I would love to just like, you know, choose a church and like, you know, spend all my holidays there and like, have like a reason that a, a, a way to like be like well my kid's 13 we do this the kid's 15 you do this and this and every six weeks there's a holiday like i i would love to have the, like oh i'm having trouble in my marriage i'll just go talk to the head of my religious organization like i would love to like oh i'm having a problem let's open this book skip to any page any page are all good read this mm, deep that fix like I would love to live like that and I'm not joking like that sounds so good to me to like have like an intense faith about something and to believe that like there's a person that can help you like 
reach that, like, that faith or whatever. Don't get me wrong. I believe there's a higher power than me. I believe, I believe in God. I just don't know what God's face looks like. And that's why I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I would love to just be like, well, all I really have to do is find the church and just go there once a month or on Fridays or on Saturdays or whatever, you know. And all I have to do is not eat pork and celebrate on this day and fast on that day and do this and wear that and read this book and everything will be fine. Like, I I wish, I wish that, like, I had the fortitude for that. But I'm just not someone who deals well with organized religion. I just, it doesn't fit well with me. And so that means I just got to fucking wing it. And why am I talking about this? Oh, I'm talking about the next stage of my life. I've had a lot of different stages of life I've had I like I talked about in that um Princess Diaries After Freeze I've had this is like my third or fourth internet life the iteration of my internet life like and what is this my my fourth or fifth iteration of my actual life and I'm just trying to wonder what happens next I have some plans I have some things I really like to fucking do and that means I can't do other things so I'm not going to download TikTok. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? <sighs> you know what? You guys, thank you for listening to this. <laughs> thank you for listening to me all the time. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for being a part of this Buy Pumpkin community. If you would like more episodes, I have, I have, I think I have like 70 episodes on, um, on patreon at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin uh i talk about a lot of shit and i i think it's been about a year since i since i did this thing um yeah guys i like like there's more thank you for listening to this there's more to listen to if you want to you can also support me by following me on twitter and instagram at okay then princess even though i just spent a lot of time talking about how i need less internet but when i get some internet i'd like to see you around feel free to tweet me feel free to comment don't dm me they're closed but if you want to talk to me message me on patreon or email me at hello at buy pumpkin podcast um i think that's it i just really appreciate you guys being here and listening to all this shit i be talking about <laughs> Next week, we're going to get started on season seven of Buy Pumpkin, and it's my 600-pound life. I already have, like, we're going to do nine episodes, three of which are going to be on the Asantis, and I already got people lined up who want to be on it, and it's going to be super exciting. I'm happy and ready for the next season, and I hope you are too. All right, till next week. Bye.